Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Patrick Woody is with us, and he spells it a strange way. Um, because I, I came from Bessemer City, North Carolina, and we had Woody's, and they spelled it W-O-O-D-Y. Now, this guy has been misinformed, and he spells it W-O-O-D-I-E. But anyway, that's, right. that's that, so that's the correct spell. That is the correct spell. Well, I know, but uh, you're, you're misinformed. <laughs> or, at least, or at least for my small family from northwestern North Carolina, that's the way we spell it. So there's more Woodies up there. There, there are, a okay. few, few of us. Well, Patrick uh, serves as president of the North Carolina Rural Economic Development Center. And, uh, Patrick, before we go too much further, let's talk about what the, the mission of the Rural Economic Development Center is. Well, we – and our, uh, the words economic development are in the, the name of the Rural Center. And, and so everything that we do is really around approving, improving the local economy for rural communities – uh, our focus is on improving the quality of life of the people that live in rural North Carolina and the communities that they call home. And that involves more than just getting jobs, uh, it but does. although that is a big uh, big part of it. We take a very comprehensive view of what, uh, what amounts to economic development. It's not only about uh, job creation, and job creation is not only about trying to recruit new businesses in, it's about trying to support the businesses that are already there and create a climate in, under which they can grow. It's also encouraging new startups through entrepreneurship. But beyond that, you know, we're, we're very interested in moving the needle, getting higher educational attainment rates for all of our people, both our adult labor force and our, our kids as they grow up. Uh, so from a workforce development standpoint, it's really important that we increase educational attainment for all of our citizens and that we get more citizens kind of tuned in to how rapidly things change in our world today and the need uh, for lifelong learning. Well, now, uh, you basically I've been told that we have 20 counties that are not classified as rural counties, and we have 80 that are. That's, what is the definition of a rural so, county? So we, uh, we take a very simple uh, approach to what we think is the most important defining char- characteristic of uh, in what makes a, um, a county rural or not rural. And, it's, and our definition is based upon population density. So the 80 counties that we focus our work on – all have population densities of less than 250 people per square mile. Um, And it's correct, there are 20 non-rural counties, uh, 14 of them we call either regional city or suburban counties. They have densities greater than 250, but less than 750. And then there are six core urban counties in North Carolina under our framework uh, definition. All of those six uh, have population densities well over 750 people per square mile. And that would mile. include like Wake and Mecklenburg. Wake, and, Mecklenburg, New Forsyth, Hanover, yeah. Forsyth, Guilford. Yeah. And you do it per square mile. So uh, a large uh, uh, geographic county, for example, that may keep them as being rural right. because they have so many miles. That's right. Johnson County is a good example of that. Yeah. It's a very large county. Uh, the Part of it that's next to Wake uh, is suburbanizing rapidly, and and but other parts of Wake, uh, Johnston County, further away, still look pretty rural. 
Well, you know, for years we've always uh, teasingly said that uh, Cary is a containment area for relocated Yankees. And Clayton is the Cary Lock area Yankees He's try out next. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, uh, I, I hope all the Yankees take this uh, the way we mean it. That's because, exactly because right. Because we love our Yankees. That's, that's true. We do. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's a great compliment to our state. Um, how many people have been attracted to, to, to move to this state, to put down roots, to create lives, raise families, invest. Um, and so that's a great compliment to our state. And, and many uh, newcomers are finding their way even to, into some of the most rural places in this state. It's not just an urban thing. But what it is, I think, the most important defining characteristic of North Carolina right now, uh, if you look at the population as a whole – Uh, 48% of the people that live in North Carolina today, the adults, were not born in the state of North Carolina. Um, That is a huge transition over the 30 years that the rural center's been around. When we opened our doors in 1987, North Carolina was in the top three states for the highest percentage of native-born population. Fast forward 32 years, and nearly half of the adult population that lives in North Carolina today was not born in the state of North Carolina. 42% of our rural adult population was not born in the state of North Carolina. That's uh, incredible. We, and, and, you know, another part of this that we haven't talked about is the fact that uh, we have so many people now that look at North Carolina as a retirement state. Absolutely. Uh, there is a, a definitely a market for that. We have some high amenity counties both in western North Carolina and in eastern North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, that are rural, uh, predominantly rural, um, and some extremely rural, uh, that has a strong market for retirees. I rode in the elevator this morning with a a lady, and this program is being pre-recorded, so I'll mention that. Uh, So it was nippy outside. Right. And I said, you know, it's a little nippy. And she says, I'm from Michigan. This is great. (laughs) I moved here from Michigan. I think this is great. Yeah, it's in the eye of the beholder. That's exactly right. So, uh, well, it's interesting. The other thing that's so interesting about North Carolina is the population difference between some of our counties. A lot of states are a little bit more homogenous than we are. Right. uh, uh, for example, we've got some counties that have less than 4,000 people in the whole county. We have some very small uh, counties where that population density, that you know, 250 yeah. people per square mile would be a big crowd. Yeah. Um, it, it, the density is a lot lower than that. Well, and you came from Allegheny County, which is uh, – Fifth smallest county in the yeah. state. Yeah. And what's yeah. the population of Allegheny? 11,000. 11,000. Yeah. It's so, it, you know it's grown by about a thousand people over the last twenty years. So, so you are you know you, and you were on the county board of commissioners up there I at did, one time. Yeah. So, uh, what are the challenges of these small counties as far as just governance? I mean, you know, first of all, well, there's not as many people to serve. I think that the, the challenges we face in in rural development in general can can be summarized. I think of them in, in really three ways, and, and a lot of our work really revolves around how do we address uh, leadership challenge. So we constantly need to be renewing and strengthening our leadership base at a community level. So we invest a lot of our time and effort in building leaders uh, in rural communities. Uh, but how healthy, how vibrant that leadership um, uh, base is in, in a community is going to have a lot to do with how well that community is doing economically. Second challenge for us is really capacity. And when you are small, you face challenges of um, 
uh, of, of really having the organizational capacity to carry out a lot of uh, the activities and the work that needs to be done. And, and that's, a, that's a heavy lift for uh, local government. Uh, it can and, and for other community-based organizations. Uh, so we encourage greatly re, uh, more regional collaboration, people getting outside of their county box or just their community box and working with their neighbors, working across county lines, working across a region to really uh, pull to, together and to pull in the same direction. And the third big area is just economies of scale um, because of that lower density. When it comes to things like water and sewer infrastructure, when it comes to things like building public schools, um, we run up against just basic challenges of scale. And so we have to be creative in how we deal with that. And, and it, it, it's, um, um, uh, it's, it's, it's a challenging environment. I always say rural economic development is a lot harder than urban economic <laughs> development. Well, I think it's so because we, we see this in, in radio broadcasting. Uh, lines are so funny because you look at two counties and you say these, these counties have similar lifestyles and, and so forth, and yet the radio listing habits in each county will Can be, be radically different. different. Yeah, uh, I, I mentioned two counties, Wilson and, Ro- and Nash counties, side uh-huh. by sides appear to be pretty similar about the same distance from raleigh yeah both of them have you know uh, wilson is in uh, wilson county and and uh, rocky mount uh, is in ash county so you think they're pretty similar right the radio listing habits in those two counties are decisively different that doesn't surprise me we we certainly over the years that we've been in this work we know uh, we know those differences on the ground, community by community, and and we we're just right now uh, holding a series of business roundtables where we're meeting with small business owners uh, in several small towns around the state, and the personality, the, the things that are on their mind, how good or how bad they feel about how things are going locally. Yep very greatly as you move across um, the geography of North Carolina. And I think we also, from time to time, let our pride get in our way of, of reality. Uh, you know, we, we are all proud of our community, our town. We our all town. love our place. It, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and one of the things we say all the time to communities is, you know, the – uh, people often refer jokingly to living in the middle of nowhere, and you know our response to that is always, you know, it's not the middle of the nowhere; it's it's the center of the universe for yeah. you. Yes. Well, I, I have a friend who lives in a very small town in a very small county, and and I he teasingly says, uh, you know, and I won't name the town. He'll say, uh, Centerville is. Uh, uh, it's not at the end of the world, but you've got a really good view of it from here. <laughs> yeah. And, and he said, I grew can, up in a place like that, so you, I understand You can that. see it pretty well from here. Yeah. Uh, well, it is interesting. And, and, and yet, you know, uh, and this is what I'd like to kind of close out this county. Why is the development of rural counties so important to those 20 counties that are not rural? Well, it, our economy is very integrated in this state. And um, th- there are ways in which we are interconnected that maybe aren't. I think were really obvious to us uh, 25, 30 years ago, and there was a time when we truly were a state of city cousins and country cousins, and and most of the um, leaders of the major corporations in the state, most of the political leaders we've had over time have had uh, either personal um, uh, deep roots themselves in rural communities or family that is still very connected to rural areas. That has changed a whole lot in our state. 
What hasn't changed is is the interconnectedness uh, from, and it shows up so uh, apparently. Um, um, and we've got to be really aware of how we share water resources. Yes. Uh, the water's not where the people no, the line, is. No, the water doesn't stop at a line. That's right. Uh, other area, healthcare systems. And, and you just look at how uh, this consolidation within the healthcare industry is leading to our populations being served a lot of times by urban based, health, large healthcare systems. Uh, and food. Um, Foods produced in rural North Carolina, you know, yes. to, and not to say that there's not any produced in urban North Carolina, it certainly is, but, you know, uh, rural North Carolina is an urban powerhouse. Patrick Woody is our guest, and we'll be back with more here on Carolina Newsmakers right after these messages. As an 18-year-old, I let my mistakes kind of take over my life. I was 0.5 credits away from completing high school, and I didn't do it. Ten years later, at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma. When I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could become and who I could become as a person. My support team is amazing. The educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter has just been more than the support that I could ask for. But I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. One in three adults in America have pre-diabetes, but most don't know it. To let people know it can be reversed before it becomes type 2 diabetes, professional basketball player Julius Randle is doing everything in reverse. I'm only dunking with reverse windmills. I drove the whole way to practice in reverse. I don't recommend it. This move's called the reverse shuffle. I do recommend it. And it took me months to learn how to speak in reverse, like this. <clears throat> Here's 10 almost for diabetes type 2 with living Ben has my mind. In other words, my mom has been living with type 2 diabetes for almost 10 years. So together, we want to say to the 84 million Americans at risk, exercise and healthy eating can help reverse prediabetes. Start by taking a simple one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. <laughs> Betty can't say that in reverse. When we get old, will you take care of me if I can't get around anymore? Of course. We'll find a way. Are you going to take care of me if I can't see anymore? I'll read to you every day. And if one of us gets Alzheimer's disease, what then? Call 1-800-437-2423 for a free booklet on caring for your loved ones from Alzheimer's Disease Research. 1-800-437-2423. People think saving money is hard, but really, it's easy. It's as simple as changing a few spending habits. For free tips on how to save the easy way, check out feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. We're back with the president of the North Carolina Rural Economic Development Center, and that would be Patrick Woody, and as we've commented, he doesn't know how to spell his last name, but other than that, he's a fine fellow and doing a, a really important job for the state of North Carolina. So the North Carolina Rural Economic Development Center, 
Where do the fund? Where does the funding come from? We're funding from a variety of sources. Uh, we do a lot of business lending activity, and so that uh, uh, that perpetu- you know, that is self-perpetuating. It's evergreen, and it fuels uh, a good chunk of our operations. We're very fortunate in that regard. Uh, we have federal funders. Uh, we have um, foundation, uh, corporate support, and individuals. Uh, so it's a, a very uh, broad. Um, cross-section of, of, of funding that supports the work we do at the Rural Center. We, we were talking about uh, the fact that it's so much more than just creating jobs, but yet all the other things uh, play into jobs because if you're creating outside or looking for outside uh, uh, industry or, or, or employers to move in, they are very concerned about the lifestyle of their employees. Yeah, it's a lot about quality of life. And, and what, what we find, um, and we've spent a lot of very intentional time in every rural county in this state and, and the small towns that are in those rural counties, there are 415 uh, municipalities in the 80 counties that we serve. So in, in uh, North Carolina remains a state of small and very small um, towns. Uh, those that um, are really thriving, uh, and we do certainly see thriving rural places, are places uh, that really are being quite deliberate about what I would call the placemaking, uh, the quality of life aspects of making that community attractive for the people who are already there and newcomers who might decide to sink down roots there. One trend that we're watching very closely, we, we read a lot and we, we tend to hear a lot and talk a lot about a rural brain drain, that young people go away when they graduate from high school. And what we are, and that's true. And, and I would also submit that suburban communities and urban communities also lose their young people uh, in terms of not staying exactly where they spent the first 18 years of their lives. Uh, I think that's part of growing up and, and, and discovering the world. But what we are noticing is that um, over half of our rural counties are seeing a net increase in 30 to 40-year-olds. That's very encouraging to us. And, and this are, these are people that are be, you know, beginning to have families, beginning to have children. Maybe it's a, 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 a prospect of getting closer to their parents. Or now the, the grandparents is going to help with child care and help raise those kids. But there, a lot of people are looking for that place where they're going to raise their family. And for some, rural North Carolina is going to be a good choice. And for those places that are really consciously thinking about that placemaking quality of life um, aspect, uh, they're going to find um, that uh, they do pretty well in the future. Well, you know, uh, uh, many, many, many people will find that living in small communities or smaller communities, let me put it that way, not, not necessarily small communities, find them very charming. Right. And uh, ideal, uh, ideal place to raise uh, a family. Some people say, I want to get away from crime. Unfortunately, crime is a problem even in the rural counties. So are you working on on crime and and the elimination of crime in these rural well, the, counties. Well, the biggest area of concern for us when it comes to you know worrying about crime statistics and and other things is the the, uh, the opioid epidemic. Yes. It's pervasive. It is uh, truly um, um, a, a scary uh, phenomenon, and it does not affect um, only rural communities. It affects uh, all of our society. Suburban, urban areas also are are really being hit hard by this epidemic. North Carolina is being hit um, uh, as hard as a lot of other states around the country. 
so we that is something we care a great deal about, and and it comes back to uh, do people have employment? Do people have um, adequate health care? coverage and we know there are 600,000 adults in the state of North Carolina that do not have any kind of health care coverage um, and there, there's a big gap in coverage that creates a lot of uh, problems that leads to um, uh, some of the drug abuse um, uh, and the, um, the, the poor um, um, uh, crime statistics that you're referring to. Is there a higher percentage of uninsured in, in uh, rural areas than there is? In the there rural? is. Yeah, okay. um, there, there certainly you will find uh, too many uninsured in every place in the state, but there is a higher percentage of that, that total uninsured that do reside in the 80 rural counties. And it destabilizes the health systems that exist in those rural communities. Uh, what is totally unsustainable about our health care system r- right now today is the volume of charitable care that is being delivered uh, by uh, health systems, uh, free clinics, uh, whatever the entity might be, they cannot sustain the volume of free care that they're delivering. This is an issue we've really got to come to terms with as a state. Another problem has and always will be, I think, a problem that uh, we have to worry about. There are some there are some solutions to this, but uh, basically, doctors, uh, because they are interested in their craft, want to be close to a hospital because they right. know it helps them carry out their duties. Yeah. Well, that means that uh, those areas that don't have big hospitals or don't have like, physicians don't have physicians. That's right. Because the doctors, you know, they're looking. At that. It's not an economic thing. It's, it's they they actually probably could make more money in some of the smaller towns. But they do like to have access to the labs and the hospitals uh, that can provide services for their patients that they can't provide. Themselves. That's right. And th- and this is one reason why uh, one of our major priorities is to uh, bring robust broadband to every rural community in the state of North Carolina and we're not where we need to be. Um, From the standpoint of both workforce development, whether it's our K-12 public school systems or it's our community colleges or it's trying to uh, help the adult workforce upgrade their skills, if it's health care and trying to help older folks age in place and stay in their homes and be able to be monitored from their homes and have less uh, inconvenience uh, because of where they might live, broadband is essential to being able to uh, to do these things. And, and uh, telehealth is going to be incredibly important to our rural population moving forward in terms of how services get delivered um, closer to home in a less disruptive way um, and we've we've got a lot of work to do broadband uh, what's the how much money do we need to complete the broadband and where does that money come from well it, the federal government has a number of programs that um, we don't think are work as are as targeted as they should be or work as well as they do but there's an, an enormous amount of money that's being appropriated every year to try to solve the rural broadband gap uh, problem uh, they're now looking at a federal level at really streamlining some of that bringing it under a single umbrella so that uh, it will be more efficient than it has been in the past We also think the state has a role, and we applaud efforts by uh, Senator Harry Brown um, and Representative Dean Arp in the last session of the General Assembly 
they co-sponsored and it passed and was funded at the, at the level of $10 million uh, for um, a state-based grants program. Uh, the bottom line is the only way we're going to fill in the gaps that exist across rural North Carolina is we've got to be willing to subsidize the cost of getting that infrastructure there. And what is that cost? Um, it, it, I, I don't know the per mile cost off the top of my head, and it's going to be different in western North Carolina than it is in eastern North Carolina. But that we've got to be willing to subsidize the cost of extending that infrastructure. We've got to be willing to encourage public-private partnerships. Our local government should be able to leverage their assets to get private Internet service providers interested in their communities and help those ISPs then buy down the total cost of what it takes to get last-mile service to every house and every business in, in rural North Carolina. We've got some rural places in the state that are extremely well served, and by and large, the best served places are where there is a local telephone cooperative or a, um, a rural electric cooperative. Uh, those uh, two types of entities in particular are going to be really play critical roles in helping us get everywhere else we need to be. So... Um that, just one interesting note, for that $10 million that I mentioned that was appropriated by the state last year, uh, the state broadband office just took applications. They had uh, over um, uh, 90 providers that showed up at, at the rural center, actually. They did the rollout of the program at the, at the North Carolina Rural Center uh, this past fall. They just took applications, and they have about $20 million worth of applications for $10 million in funding. Uh, that's really good. Uh, now we need to, to, you know, that will help us make the case to going back, getting more money appropriated to go back and do more of these very targeted going into the areas that need it the most. Do you keep up with this by, uh, by underserved miles or by understand, underserved population? Um, underserved populations. And, uh, so what, how many people are underserved, uh, roughly? They're um, prop. oh gosh, I, I don't know a number off the top of my head, but... Um, I, I so like to embarrass let you me with just, asking questions Well, let me just give you a sense. So the FCC produces maps yeah. of broadband coverage yeah. uh, for every state in the country. And if you look at the FCC broadband map for North Carolina, it will say that 93% of the households in the state of North Carolina have access to high-speed internet. And we know for a fact that that is not worth the paper it's printed on. No. And the reason being, it is self-reported data. It's reported by the providers themselves. And if one household in a census tract has high-speed broadband, then every household in that census tract is counted as if it does as well. And that's not no, reality. That, that, that so work. I would say that 93% number of households, we're probably a, a lot closer to 50%. Yeah. Jason reminded me, uh, our producer reminded me to ask you about what is Rural Day? Rural Day is our uh, statewide advocacy day. So uh, we just talked about our three top priorities of broadband, closing the coverage gap, and small business development. We do, like a number of other organizations do, we do a statewide advocacy day that's really focused on putting rural North Carolina's best foot forward in front of state leadership. So on um, Tuesday, March 26, we will be hosting at the Raleigh Convention Center our third annual Rural Day. 
and we expect we will have 500 or so uh, uh, rural leaders from all across the state of North Carolina that will come together with our governor, our lieutenant governor, our, the leaders of the North Carolina General Assembly, both on both sides of the aisle. Uh, to really have intent, it'll give uh, local people a chance to interact with their state legislators in their environment and talk about the priorities back home. And we really want to try to move the needle on that day. Uh, we are very blessed this year that we're going to have a couple of national level guests uh, that are coming in to join us on the broadband issue. We will have a former FCC commissioner, Mignon Clyburn, uh, who is uh, out of South Carolina, who has been one of the foremost rural broadband advocates in, in the country that will be speaking to our group. Um, and uh, we also are, are extremely honored and pleased that we're going to have Governor John Kasich, the former governor of, of Ohio, uh, that will be talking in particular about the way in which uh, he as governor uh, championed the expansion of Medicaid and the, the impact that that has had um, on uh, the rural economy in his state and the, and the uh, uh, end result of also helping solve that opioid epidemic problem. Well, that sounds like a great day, and I think it, uh, it sounds like a fascinating agenda. Patrick Woody has been our guest. He's the president of the North Carolina Rural Economic Development Center. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and do just that. The program has been produced by Jason Kong, and he promises me he'll have another interesting guest again next week on the same group of stations. So to next week, same time, same station. Have a nice week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.